WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. We're going to take a trip right now. Like we always do about this time. This is a journey into sound. I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. Up first, on this week's show, I'll be speaking with the vocalist Florence LaRue, a founding member of the legendary 1960s psychedelic soul group, The Fifth Dimension. And on the second half of this week's show, we'll have another edition of Rebel Music with Carla Lopez. This week, Carla's guest will be the activist and musician Isaias Guerrero. Florence LaRue will join me via phone in just a moment. But first, let's hear a classic track from The Fifth Dimension from their 1970 album, Portrait. This is Puppet Man. Baby, baby, you know it's true. I'm a puppet just for you. I'll do anything you say. I won't have it any other way. Take my heart and take my soul. Giving you complete control. If you want to see me do my thing, pull my string. Pull my string. Puppet man. Puppet man. That was The Fifth Dimension with Puppet Man. And Fifth Dimension vocalist Florence LaRue is my guest this week. Florence LaRue was born in Plainfield, New Jersey in 1942. She rose to national prominence in 1966 as an original member of the Fifth Dimension, a unique vocal group that blended elements of the Motown sound with pop music and psychedelic rock. The Fifth Dimension exploded into the mainstream with their Grammy-winning 1967 single, Up, Up, and Away. That song was a top 10 hit for the group, ushering in a period of extraordinary success. From 1967 to 1973, The Fifth Dimension scored 20 top 40 hits on the Billboard charts, including the number one hits, Aquarius and Wedding Bell Blues. The original Fifth Dimension lineup included Lamont McLemore, Marilyn McCoo, Ron Townsend, Billy Davis Jr., and Florence LaRue. Through the years, LaRue has remained the only consistent member of the group, and at age 80, she's taking the band back out on the road. Let's join my conversation with Florence LaRue. Florence, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. I'm a huge fan of your music, and it's an honor to have you on the program. Well, it's my pleasure. And this year marks the 57th year of the Fifth Dimension. And through the years, you've been the only consistent member of the group. Essentially, you've kept the Fifth Dimension alive for nearly six decades, which is remarkable. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about the music and the group's legacy that has inspired you to keep moving forward through all these years? 
Well, I believe that one, the main thing that keeps me inspired is the fact that our music brings joy to people. It's positive music, and it's also music that brings peace, and uh, it, it, it unites people of all ages, of all races, and, and that makes me really proud. You mentioned that it appeals to all ages. The group uh, was recently featured in the documentary Summer of Soul. Your performance at the Harlem Cultural Festival in 1969 was uh, highlighted in the movie. I'm curious, has that brought a new generation of fans out to your shows? Did it affect at all the kind of audience uh, for the Fifth Dimension's music? I can't really answer that question because we're just starting to perform mm. again since, mm. since the music was out. You know, Because of COVID, a lot of our... Um, concerts were pushed into the next year. However, in the past, I've seen young people come with their parents, and sometimes uh, if they didn't know the fifth dimension, they'd come grudgingly because, you know, it's their parents' own music. But then at the end of the show, they'd come and say, hey, you guys were great, and they were surprised that they liked their parents' old music. <laughs> How did you feel personally seeing that film, assuming you have, and, uh, you know, seeing your work spotlighted with Mahalia Jackson, Nina Simone, and all these uh, all your fellow icons, how, how did it strike you watching the film? It was exciting for me to watch the film because, first of all, uh, I hadn't seen it and didn't know that it, it existed. And um, it was the first time the Fifth Dimension had performed for an all-black audience like that. And it was great to see that we were so well accepted because, first of all, many people didn't realize that we were a black group because we didn't sound the way people expected a black group to sound. Uh, people black or white. We, our music, but at that time, Motown music was very popular, which we liked also, but it was very different from the type of music that we did. And I think it was wise of our manager to have us perform there so that the black audience could see that, yes, we really are a black group. We're not trying to sound white. We're just singing using the talent that God has given us. Hmm. I've always read that, and I wondered how accurate it was. But the group did get some flack from... Uh, audiences for black audiences for sounding too white or there was just confusion about no, I, what was I the know. yeah i no that was really overemphasized it yeah. was just one place where we performed it was a college and people, they said well we wanted a black group we said well what do you think we are <laughs> but no black audiences have always accepted us very well also yeah and you had a lot of hits on the r&b chart i think eventually um yeah, you, you were getting yeah, you were getting bigger hits on the R&B chart than you were the pop chart, so certainly black audiences were buying your records and uh, supporting the group. Yes, once they saw us and realized that we were a black group and that we were just doing what we do, mm. um, they accepted us. Let's pause and listen to a track from the Fifth Dimension's debut album, Up, Up, and Away. This is Pattern People. That was The Fifth Dimension with Pattern People. And The Fifth Dimension vocalist Florence LaRue is my guest this week. Pattern People was composed by Jimmy Webb. Webb wrote several early hits for The Fifth Dimension, including Up, Up, and Away. 
1967, Webb composed and arranged an album of compositions for the group titled The Magic Garden. That record has become a cult classic among fans of psychedelic 60s pop music. Let's return to my conversation with Florence LaRue as we discuss Webb's work with The Fifth Dimension. The Fifth Dimension were catapulted to stardom in 1967 when you recorded Jimmy Webb's Up, Up, and Away. And you guys formed a strong connection to Jimmy Webb. Your sophomore album, The Magic Garden, was almost exclusively made up of Jimmy Webb's songs. At the time, I think that album was misunderstood, but over the years, people have really recognized this as a, as a unique masterpiece of 60s popular music. I'm curious, you know, how you felt about Jimmy Webb's music and what your thoughts are on that album. Funny that you should mention Magic Garden because that's my favorite Fifth Dimension album. Mm. And I think it's because, first of all, we worked very closely with Jimmy Webb. Uh, we got to know him very well. And also we know the story behind the album. The album tells a story of how Jimmy Webb's heart was broken by a young lady. And all of the songs refer back to her. Um, Carpet Man, you walked all over me, you know, you could... Um, MacArthur Park, because they had picnics at a place called MacArthur Park here in L.A. And every song, except Ticket to Ride, which also speaks of their relationship, but that's the only song that wasn't written by Jimmy Webb. I'm curious how his music struck you when you first heard it. You know, I grew up in the 90s, so I wasn't uh, among that generation that got to experience it in the 60s. But his songs always fascinated me because they're very unusual. The lyrics are unusual. The melodies are unusual. How did the music strike you when you first heard it? The first time I heard Jimmy Webb's music, I loved it. Mm. And I was very grateful to our manager, Mark Gordon, who was a black man, who introduced us to Jimmy Webb. By the way, I, Mark was our manager and eventually became my husband. Mm. <laughs> but he introduced us to Jimmy Webb. And the moment I heard Jimmy's music, I was fascinated. Had he not uh, brought Jimmy Webb to the Fifth Dimension, we never would have heard that music. Mm. Because, as I said, at that time, Motown was very popular. So when we were rehearsing, we were singing Motown songs, which was fine. But they didn't really suit our voices as well as Jimmy Webb's music did. And I've heard you credit Mark Gordon as having a, a strong vision for who the fifth dimension should be and kind of what their sound and look should be. Mark at the time was, I think, the Los Angeles president of Motown Records. Can you talk about his impact on the group's development? Well, Mark was a uh, producer at Motown, mm. and uh, he had a very strong impact on our music because he realized that our voices did not suit the, the music that was popular at the time and that we would not have been successful had we tried to sound like some of the popular groups, because that's just not the type of voice we had. Not that we didn't. I, I wish I could have sounded like Aretha Franklin, but the Lord told me, hey, there's only one Aretha and there's only one Florence LaRue. So do what you, the best you can with what I've given you. Let's pause and listen to a song from the Fifth Dimension's 1967 album, The Magic Garden. This is Requiem. Written and arranged by Jimmy Webb. When we stop the clock on that cold rock, mix the hot young blood with granite dust. And I raise my hand to kiss the sweat that hung like honey from your goddess brow. 
That was The Fifth Dimension with Requiem, written and arranged by Jimmy Webb. Webb composed several early hits for The Fifth Dimension. The group also found success performing the music of songwriter Laura Nero. The Fifth Dimension recorded over half a dozen Nero tunes, including the number one hit, Wedding Bell Blues. Up next, we'll hear the group's 1968 version of Laura Nero's Stoned Soul Picnic. First, let's hear Florence LaRue's memories of Laura Nero. Along with Jimmy Webb, the music of Laura Nero was very successful for the group. I'm, I'm always curious if you ever had the chance to meet her, interact with her, and kind of how she felt about you guys taking all, all this material into the pop charts. We did have the opportunity to meet Laura Nero. Unfortunately, I did not get to know her personally, but I enjoyed performing her music. What do you think it was about those songs that fit so well with the Fifth Dimension's uh, sound? Well, I think it was the, the rhythm and the fun. We, we've always recorded music and sung music that was uplifting. Of course, the, some of the told a sad story, like One Less Bell, but it was always, uh, in general, a very positive music, very melodic music. This is The Fifth Dimension with Stone Soul Picnic. I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. We just heard The Fifth Dimension with Stone Soul Picnic. And The Fifth Dimension vocalist Florence LaRue is my guest this week. Let's return to our conversation. And Florence, one of my favorite Fifth Dimension tracks that features you as lead vocalist is Love Hangover, which has an interesting oh. history. You put it out <laughs> kind of... I think just slightly before Diana Ross recorded her version, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the Fifth Dimension's uh, recording well, of Love? That's an, yeah. that's an interesting story because actually Diana recorded it first. What happened was our manager, my husband, came to us. And he was also a producer, as I mentioned earlier, and said, you know, Diana Ross has an album out, uh, and, she, and there's a song on there that she has not released as a single. And I think it would be good for the Fifth Dimension to do and he asked me to do the lead. Well, we recorded it and recorded Love Hangover, and it started becoming quite a hit. And I heard that Diana Ross was in Germany. She heard it. She said, wait a minute, that's my song. And then she put it out as a single, which, of course, her, her popularity was greater than ours and hers over Red Art. From 1976, this is The Fifth Dimension with Love Hangover. That was The Fifth Dimension with Love Hangover. And The Fifth Dimension vocalist, 
Florence LaRue is my guest this week. Let's return to our conversation. And finally, Florence, I think you're about to turn 81 years old next month, right? February 4th, I will celebrate my 81st birthday. Yeah, and you recently published a book titled Grace in Your Second Act, A Guide to Aging Gracefully. I'm curious what keeps you going artistically. Um, You're about to head out on the road for a tour. What keeps you motivated to continue performing and making music? Well, the one thing is my spirituality. God has blessed me to be almost 81 and to have good health and to be able to perform. And I don't just stand there and sing. I'm able to do the choreography. And I have people all the time coming up to me after the show. What do you do to look the way you do, to to move the way you do? And I tell them, as I mentioned in the book, it's about taking care of your body, eating well, eating properly, I should say, exercising, and uh, taking care of yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically. You know, most people, especially women, once they hit 40, toward 50s, oh, I'm old. No, 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 no. The second half of your life can be just as exciting. Now, you may not be able to do the things I do because everyone's different. I walk at least two miles every day, and um, I eat a certain way. You know, I don't eat a lot of sugar because sugar feeds cancer and other things. But you have to find out what's good for your body, what vitamins you need. And um, that just keeps me going. I, I just thank God that I have the energy and the desire to continue using the talent that he's given me. And Florence, I'm going to end with the Fifth Dimension's classic recording of Aquarius. You know, there's something so cathartic about hearing this song. It captivates me every time I, I hear it. I'm curious how you feel after all these years performing Aquarius on stage. Is it still something uh, that uh, fills you with some energy? Every song the Fifth Dimension has ever recorded still fills me with energy. I have sung Up, Up, and Away and Aquarius and One Less Bell thousands of times. And each time I sing, it's a new experience. Uh, Aquarius is special to me, especially during these difficult times, because not because not because of anything to do with astrology, but it speaks of harmony, understanding, and speaks of peace and hope in the world. Florence, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. I can't thank you enough. It's an honor to have you on the program. Thank you. I hope you get to see the Fifth Dimension Live. I think you'll be presently surprised. (laughs) Florence LaRue and the Fifth Dimension are currently on tour. You can find tour dates and purchase tickets online at fifthdimensionlive.com. From 1969, this is The Fifth Dimension with Aquarius. Cultural Manifesto will return after this short break. I'm Kyle Long, and you're listening to Cultural Manifesto. Up next, we have another edition of Rebel Music with Carla Lopez.
This is Carla Lopez, and you're listening to Rebel Music on Cultural Manifesto. Me llamo Carla Lopez, y estás escuchando a Música Rebelde, el Manifesto Cultural. Rebel Music explores the relationship between music and activism in Indiana and around the globe. My guest this week is the musician and activist Isaias Guerrero. Isaias is originally from Bogota, Colombia, and he came to Indiana at the age of 15. Isaias gained notoriety in Indianapolis as an advocate for immigrant rights. In addition to his work in social justice, Isaias is also a member of Cumbia Heights, a Washington, D.C.-based band that explores the diverse sounds of cumbia music. Let's join our conversation with Isaias Guerrero. Hi, Isaias. Hi. Thank you so much for being here today. We're going to listen to some music and talk about your work as an activist. And to start, you were born in Colombia, but you came here when you were 15 years old. You went to school here. How did your experience in Indiana shape who you are today? I think that there's something really interesting that happened when we arrived because we went to, I went first to Greenwood High School and then to Center Grove High School. And so there were two big shocks there. One was definitely like a cultural shock because, I mean, there weren't a lot of immigrants, period. Nobody from Colombia. And the, the like really hard one was when we were like in, as a group with other folks that were mostly from Mexico and folks were like, okay, like, where's your social security number? Like, get out of here, legal. You know, we got a lot of really nasty moments where either we got in fights with, like, this group of, especially, yeah, they were all white kids, and there was a lot of tension racially. Um, so that was a big change. But then when I went from Greenwood to Center Grove, it was like a class shock because Greenwood is, like, super... It's a, like a lot more working class, even though still Greenwood is not like, you know, East Side or West Side indie. And then Center Grove is just incredibly rich. Like kids had, you know, the la latest car. And, you know, I didn't have a car at that time. Like we were just arriving. I was working at Arby's. You know, we were all trying to make it as a family. So it was impacting us. And, you know, my mom was like, nobody's going to be able to pronounce your name. Isaias is like too hard to pronounce. So <laughs> just go with Isaiah. So all my friends know me as Isaiah. Then later I had like a, I guess, an awakening. And I was like, no, screw it, man. I learned their language. They got to learn my name at least. <laughs> um, and then always like being undocumented was like hidden. I never told anybody. And yeah, that was just like a thing. All of that, it was this like soup of tension, new experiences, awakenings, really also like new opportunities, uh, racism, no? So it was like a, mm -hmm. I guess, a, an experience that was pretty, um, that had many, many feelings and many uh, things that help you grow, I guess. And you've always played music in Indianapolis. Music is a big part of your life. You were in a band called Los Semilleros. And how does your work in music connect with your work as an activist? Los Semilleros was a lot of fun. Um, shout out to Hera and Julio, uh, who are also still making music. Um, 
hit a you know part of Sweet Poison Victims. Shout out to them as well. A really immigrant sounds of indie, and I would say that music is the like connector is like the umbilical cord to to Colombia. You know, being undocumented, you know, you can't leave, but that's how we we travel. That's how I travel back to Colombia with my dad. He'll put like old salsa songs and chucuchucu and like boleros and music from his time and that became kind of part of my musical DNA and then yeah just making it just was also an avenue to express what I what was going on in my head in my heart in my surroundings um and really an opportunity to to show you know people through sounds what our experiences as immigrants um are and have been and also just how we've been able to uh, overcome those barriers and become stronger out of those barriers and organize um, out of those barriers. So I think I've always seen it as music, a companion to express what I'm going through and my reality and like the community's reality. Um, and in a way also presenting like a vision for a better world. That was such a beautiful answer, Isaias. Thank you. And you currently live and work in Washington, Mm D.C. Can you tell us about your work there? I've always loved organizing. Um, To me, like building power with people that are closest to the pain is, I guess, a calling. And I've been very lucky to make that be my career. And so... I started first with Undocumented Youth, with the Latino Youth Collective, Indiana Documented Youth Alliance, um, Indiana Indianapolis Congregation Action Network. And that kind of, it was like gradual. It was first like, you know, with, with youth, then city, state. But I wanted a national experience. And so um, after school, I applied for this position in in DC to be a national organizer um, around immigration. And so the organization that I work with is called Community Change, and we have a coalition of immigrant rights organizations that push federal policy for that is pro-immigrant. Mostly it's being focused on a path to citizenship for undocumented people so that 11 million people can have a path. As, as we know, immigration is incredibly um, controversial in this country and it's like part of I guess part of the DNA of this country is um, I guess is white supremacy because of white supremacy we have not been able to pass immigration reform um, and immigration is a very controversial issue it's basically deciding who can be American and who cannot be or who is and who isn't No. I've been really blessed to do that um, and connect with immigrants across the country that are doing really good work. And you're currently in a band called Cumbia Heights. Yeah. Can you tell us about this group? Yeah. So Cumbia Heights is, um, we're all lovers of Cumbia and we're from different countries. So we're from uh, Mexico, Colombia, Chile, and Peru. And yeah, we've been exploring the different, like basically how cumbia 
started to evolve and how people interpret cumbia in different countries. And it's been really nice because cumbia is like, you know, like uh, Simon Bolivar's like wildest dream to unite a continent into one. And so it like kind of crosses borders. It breaks the borders away. And of course, in Colombia, it comes from black people, enslaved people um, who brought in their uh, drums, met with indigenous people up in the Sierra Nevada, in Santa Marta. And so, yeah, it's really beautiful to bring in all these influences, different styles, and just see what comes out. And Isaias, you brought some music to share with us today. We're going to hear a song you wrote and recorded with Cumbia Heights called Poder del Pueblo. Can you tell us about what you're singing in this song? Yeah. So, yeah, this song is really about um, organizing and why when we organize, we win. And so it's, it, it talks a little bit about that, of, of how uh, poder, meaning power, del pueblo, of the people, is, um, is a way of, of getting a little bit closer to tasting freedom even if it's for a moment. So that's what it's about. Cuando salí a luchar con el pueblo y entendí que unido venceremos. Cuando salí a luchar con el pueblo y entendí que unido venceremos. Por eso vamos a ir a las calles a organizar. Por eso vamos a ir a las calles a organizar. Juntos a construir, juntos el poder popular. Vamos todos a construir, juntos el poder popular. Next, we're going to hear a song you wrote about the Black Lives Matter movement, Preciosas Vidas Negras. You released this song as a solo song with vocalist Lucy Murphy. Can you tell us about this song and what inspired you to write about the Black Lives Matter movement? Yeah, so this was during the Black Uprising in D.C., we um, we would go to join the protest of the local Black Lives Matter chapter in D.C. And so it was specifically after a moment where around 200 people were basically trapped in, in, a, in a street. And a lot of them were unjustly arrested, uh, put into jail in Metropolitan Police Department of D.C., uh, arrested folks. It shot them with uh, rubber bullets. It was just very chaotic time in D.C. It felt like the city was completely militarized. So it comes out of that moment of tension and also in a way of yelling, you know, that Black Lives Matter, uh, do it in Spanish to just also push against the colorism and the racism that is also in the Latino community that is, is just present all the time and to be in solidarity. And so... I was really honored because Lucy Murphy is, um, she learned a lot of, like, she's been singing for years. She's part of the DC Labor Choir. They do a lot of protest songs. Um, and she was part of SNCC. And I got to meet her just with local organizing in DC. And so she's like, she loves singing in Spanish. And so we got together in actually Malcolm X Park. And uh, I showed her the, the the loop. I said, Lucy, this is what I have written. What do you think? She loved the lyrics. Um, and then she said, look, I want to 
I want to sing this first piece and then we can do the harmony in the second pieces. So I said, perfect. And then she just said, at the end, we should just sing Las Vidas Negras Son Preciosas, which means um, black lives are precious. So that's, um, that's Preciosas Vidas Negras. Las Vidas Negras Son Preciosas. Las Esta jaula no me deja volar Amarrado Mi cuerpo ya no sabe sanar Voy perdido El mapa no logró encontrar I'm Carla Lopez Owens and you're listening to Rebel Music on Cultural Manifesto. My guest this week is the activist and musician Isaias Guerrero. Let's return to our conversation. And we've been listening to some of the music that you wrote. Now we're going to listen to some of the music that has influenced you. First, we're going to hear Siervo Sin Tierra by Aterciopelados. Tell us about the song. Yeah, so Aterciopelados is this um, one of the first rock bands in Colombia and what I loved about them is that they really broke away from the traditional we want to sound like American rock but they were like we want to be our own um, we want to include sounds that are from Colombia and so a lot of their especially the first album is really just like a mix it's like you know a sancocho it's like a stew of all of these um, influences. This song is in like a kind of like a little bit of like a a Joropo style, and it talks about really the story of of why Colombia's conflict has is the way it is. No, it's because of like poor peasants not having access to the land, either because of colonial legacies that we've had, because of corporations a lot of American corporations coming in, extracting the resources, or just corrupt uh, politicians that end up monopolizing the land. So Siervo uh, Sin Tierra describes that story of uh, a peasant that just works um, in, in every day to, for his land, but eventually just ends up owning the land when he dies, um, and, and really just by like being underground. And Isaias, you have one more song to share with us today. The song is titled Lejania by Lisandro Mesa. This song talks about being homesick, something that a lot of immigrants can relate to. Can you tell us about this song? Yeah, so Lisandro Mesa and in this specific style of cumbia is one with accordion that is very traditional of the more like mountainous 
region of what is called the Montes de Maria or the Mounts of Mary, where a lot of violence happened. Also where just like this mi cultural mix of um, folks that were enslaved, uh, Africans that were brought in to be sold and escaped, um, indigenous people and, and people from the coast came to live. There, the, the song talks about just like, yeah, what it means to be away from home and the, the need of everybody to go back and connect with that land. Um, and lejanía means, I guess, the distance. So this song is very melancholic, I would say. And yeah, it, it just has um, the voice of, I think, all immigrants wanting to go back and, and really in a way it's a, uh, a way of saying going back should be a human right no? everybody should have the right to come back to their to their um, lands Thank you again so much for being here. I am a big fan. I am so inspired by you and the work that you're doing. Thank and you. I thank you for being here with us today and for sharing all your wonderful thoughts and the wonderful music that you brought with, with you today. Ah, thank you, Carla. No, it's always uh, great to, to reconnect with the root. And I think what you're doing here is, is so important. No, it's uh, giving voice to, to all of us who who love indie and who love music and really um, want to see indie just continue exploding with uh, with culture that it has. So glad that um, I was able to just add a little bit to that uh, to a big soup of, of culture that indie has. My guest this week has been the activist and musician Isaias Guerrero. To learn more about his work with the Center for Community Change, go to communitychange.org. And you can find his music on Facebook and Instagram at Cumbia Heights, DC. I'm Carla Lopez Owens. Stay tuned for future editions of Rebel Music on Cultural Manifesto. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to our guests, Florence LaRue and Isaias Guerrero. I'm Kyle Long, and you've been listening to Cultural Manifesto.